Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by... Philip Orr. Phil Savage. It's good to have you back, Phil. I'm back. And uh, yes, we have both uh, Phils on the podcast once more, which is delightful. <laughs> um, this week we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Origins, which is probably the, uh, probably the biggest single-player game that's out in this time of year. I mean, that's a very specific criteria mm. I picked there, but yes, that's worth discussing because Assassin's Creed is actually good this year, and that what? in itself is a bit of an event. And um, Pip has been playing Slime Rancher as is her way, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I've been playing Nier Automata, Automata, however you say that, which is an old game, but because the PC Gamer Game of the Year uh, 2017 process is coming up, I've been trying to play as many games as I can in uh, a short space of time as, I, as possible. And you've been in the same, haven't you, Phil? Yeah. Um, most of what I did was I played a bit of Assassin's Creed because I thought, well, people keep saying it's good, so I should probably check that out in case it's worth worth inclusion. Indeed. Um, I've been should... checking out hot games from 2015. <laughs> well, like, so... Is Slime Rancher from 2015? No, actually that's from earlier this year, but I probably should have... Well, I played it because there was DLC. Okay. Um, but I've also been playing things like Sims 4 and like I, I installed The Witcher 3. <laughs> you know, things like that. Well, I, don't, I can't remember which year either of them. I think it might have been 2014 and 2020. 16? No, Witcher 3 was oh, it was 2015. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's good then. I've still never played more than the uh, tutorial of The Witcher 3. I've played that tutorial three times now. It's fine. Um, you only need to see like the first major cutscene to see the bath scene, which is all we ever reference. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, maybe subconsciously that's why I started three times but got no further. Mm. Um, shall we start with uh, Slime Rancher then, Pip, since you mentioned the DLC there, and that seems Can like do. a good uh, hole to fall down. Um, so, <laughs> so Slime Rancher, like you say, came out a bit early this year, like during mm-hmm. the summer, I think, yeah. the full release was, mm-hmm. after a period in early access. Um, so what does uh, w- what is Slime Rancher, I guess, for people who aren't aware, and what does this DLC bring to it? Um, so Slime Rancher is a, a really cute farming sim kind of thing. So you find these bouncy ball creatures in the world and you can suck them up in your little vacuum pack and bring them home to your ranch and keep them in in pens and feed them things and then sell their poops to earn money and do up your like house and stuff yes yes Mm. i remember doing um some fairly extensive googling of the poo thing when our um, review came in. The review heavily referenced the poops. Mm. So I just wanted to make sure plorts. 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 Mm. I think it was one of your posts on RPS Pip that explained <laughs> that plorts were indeed poo um, mm. that uh, helped me navigate that particular minefield <laughs> of editing. Like, did she definitely mean poo? Yes, I guess she did. Um, so yes, um, but some kind of excretion. Yeah, mm. but in a kind of adorable way, as opposed to uh, my terrified cat just shat all over the kitchen kind of way. <laughs> well, I mean, and also profitable, so in, in a way that I think perhaps yeah, that I think is. You only lose money with uh, a cat shitting on your kitchen in cleaning uh, products. Anyway, it's a buyer's market. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but anyway, so because I'd got so into it earlier this year, um, it's just really sweet, and I find that I can spend a lot of time you know just whiling away while I um, listen to a podcast or catch up on a Netflix show or something Um, but uh, so I think it's it probably fills the gap for me that uh, Stardew Valley or something does for other people Mm. Um, but with that in mind I actually ended up very much out of content by the end of it so I was you know I've got a farm that I like and I go back to it every now and again but um, I'd run out of new things to do and then I saw that um, while we were busy 
uh, going sort of deadline crazy. Um, uh, <laughs> an update had actually come out that added a new area that you could unlock after a period of time and a sort of um, more dangerous landscape that you could navigate and sort of capture um, feral uh, slimes and things like or not capture but um, <laughs> basically I went in I stole some of the things uh, the fruits from their land and uh, also took some saber tooth poop that I then fed to the uh, residents of my current farm okay. so that they would morph into hybrid saber tooth slash something else. So I can see on Slimes. Bill's face that he has the same question I do, <laughs> which is, does the poo itself have saber tooths or is it just that the poo is from a saber-toothed creature? So the poo is like this little, um, you know, the the plum bobs that the Sims have. It's that kind of a, you know, yes. diamondy kind of rhombusy shape. Um, Oh, good word, Rhombus. Carry on. Yeah, and it's not entirely what I mean, but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there are these, basically it's these um, shapes that are slightly elongated um, crystalline shapes and you uh, they have the same colourway as the slime in question, so they don't have the same behaviour um, as the slime. Like the, the there are crystal ones that can sort of shoot out jets of crystal and sort of injure you if you're in the way or there are these uh whirling ones that can create like a tornado and others that you know do different things there's like quantum ones that sort of fade in and out of existence and they're a right pain to keep in their <laughs> pen i'll tell you that <laughs> um but anyway so yeah they, they i i don't think the game has any basic saber slimes but everything in this new territory is a hybrid of that so they're all a bit dangerous like you sort of have to placate them but you can't entirely make the world safe which is kind of interesting um and you can sort of bring elements of them back to your farm through the poop which you can you can create hybrids by feeding the poop of one thing to another thing but if you try and do it a third time you end up turning them into a slimy monster that tries to eat everything on your farm and plays threatening music. Mm. Wow. That's the ecology is. of this place is wild. <laughs> it's, is this, you, this is what the paid DLC does, is it creates this kind of It's not potential. paid, it's just oh, like an extra okay. bit of um like an extra bit a of patch, content. Yeah, yeah, essentially. But with stuff rather than tweaks, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um so yeah, like although I think it's more mid-gamey kind of stuff because as someone who has unlocked pretty much all of the or had unlocked pretty much all of the um, upgrades to my suit and my um, tool set and stuff like that, it was a bit too easy for me to just wander into this area and not be at risk mm. exactly. Like I could still die. I managed to do that while I thought I'd pressed pause and and someone had phoned me um <laughs> but like I could I, I could stay relatively safe and so I sort of I did that slightly trashy thing of farming it all out and then having an extra bit of land to mm. to have as an extension of my base but other than that like I think I'll be hoping for one thing it does do is the plot market which is the thing like the thing that tells you how much each of the poops is worth on any given day because there's fluctuation if you flood that poop market with 
with you I don't, don't know oversaturated poop market. Well, <laughs> quite so, Phil. Quite so. Um, and so there's now a lot of empty spaces, which I hope will obviously be populated by other slimes in the future. Mm. So it speaks to more stuff. But what I might do is hold off on playing more of it until there's maybe a glut of new stuff that I won't just be tempted to power through. I think. Is that the um, developer's plan to just keep adding new bits onto it then? Or do they want to do any paid DLC at some point? Or are they just going to keep supporting the game as it is? Do you know what? I don't actually know. Um, I know that they had obviously plans for different things. And I know that there were some slime designs that fell by the wayside during development, which, you know, you can kind of guess that maybe people would like to see implemented or whatever else if if possible i you know i i think i interviewed them a little while ago and i i can't remember whether they said any of them they had plans to release or um rather or revisit Hmm. um but yeah so i think there's definitely scope for more stuff and it, it feels like they've deliberately left room for that stuff but like i have no idea actually of like the cadence or or anything like that it was just quite a nice thing to remind me to go back and visit and have a poke around okay cool so uh yes i guess we will keep an eye on that game and uh, the sound levels look fine to me, Phil. <laughs> Good. They, they don't, I look a bit quiet, actually, but yeah. I don't think it's too bad. Like, I mean, yeah, we could all there. cluster around this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if we should do that sometimes. But yeah, that laugh came through then. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, that's not too bad, is it? Okay, cool. What do you reckon? Should I get closer? No, we'll probably be all right. All right. How about that? Is that closer? Is that better? Uh, yeah, the levels look good. I hope okay. you're leaving all of this in. I I never edit things. Um, well, Andy is the one who edits. Uh, and things, he's away, so. so I'll probably do it this week. Okay, so if you're listening to this, uh, you're that listening to That was Sam's animal game. hour. Yeah. <laughs> Next I'll be doing a badger. <laughs> <laughs> Badgers don't make that noise, do they? No! Anyway. <laughs> okay. That's like a creaky gate. <laughs> okay, well, we'll use that as an excellent segue into a game that also has animals, Assassin's Creed Origins. That was um, so smooth. <laughs> this is why I'm not on Radio 2, Phil. Um, I guess you have to start on Radio 1 then be downgraded when you get into your 40s anyway. Yeah, you've just got to hit 40. And... Unless you're Scott Mills. Is he still there? I don't care. Okay, um, I'll go straight into uh, Assassin's Creed Origins <laughs> wow. in that case. Mills burn. <laughs> well, no, I just, you know, he was he was never my favourite host. I'm just going to carry on now. Um, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Assassin's Creed Origins, Phil. This is uh, an Assassin's Creed game that people like, which is a rarity these days. It after. is. Several entries of diminishing returns, like Unity was obviously uh, glitchy and the PC version was bad and people didn't really uh, warm to it that much. And then Mm. Syndicate, I think people said was an improvement, but it still had the janky old Assassin's Creed everything. Yeah, Syndicate was an odd one to sort of see from the outside because some people seem to really like it, uh, and Mm. especially like the characters in it and everything. But I think, for me, I don't really know what was wrong with Unity or Syndicate beyond, like, Unity's fairly widely reported problems, as you mentioned, because I was I was just really tired of the series. Yeah. Um and I, I think like if if Assassin's Creed's got anything right, it's just taking some time off and just letting you recover from what was eight games in a row, one each year. Let's think. So from twenty two thousand nine to two thousand fifteen, that's they did yearly entries. Okay, so yeah, so about seven six, years, six or seven, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I haven't played one properly since um, uh, Brotherhood, which was 2010, and after that, I hmm. I've gave Black Flag a go, but uh, it didn't quite do it for me. Like, um, well, it was like so Black Flag, it's the one everybody thinks 
is very good. Yeah. Um, the last great one, uh, people would say. But, um, is it, though, or do people just like sea shanties? I mean, it could be that. There's some very good sea shanties. <laughs> but I got, like, 10 to 15 hours into it and was just... I couldn't play it anymore. Like, even though it was quite enjoyable, it was just, like, the the Ubisoft model of icons on an open world map can be quite um, yeah. fatiguing at the best of times. Uh, and then making the map even bigger with, like, long sea bits. I, I also didn't like the sea combat that much. I thought it was fine, but not amazing. I so I thought it was better than the regular combat, which yeah, okay, has, al- has always frustrated me as a kind of like uh, Batman-style canned animation combat system, but without the, the feel that the Batman combat has, um, where you, there's no skill. It came down to pressing one button or two buttons, and... That wasn't very engaging, and that's something they've taken back to the drawing board this time. Isn't yeah, it? I mean, suppose to say, like, the, the main thing Origins gets right then is just sort of giving everybody a bit of a break, but beyond that, it is also just a very good version of what Assassin's Creed is. Like, yeah. I think playing it, like, everything that series became, I think its stock dropped just, like, in the collective consciousness a lot. Um, it used to be around your brotherhood everyone, and so on. Everyone was really excited for a new Assassin's Creed game, and it was a big deal. Um, yeah. And going back now into Origins, I'm sort of reminded of how much I did just enjoy those games back in the day anyway. Yeah. Um, and then there are, you know, a selection of improvements on that. But um, it is primarily just a sort of very nice historical world to explore which is it looks amazing it looks really good yeah, yeah. um it looks really good like um i think especially on the sort of macro scale i think um in slack there were conversations where like if you zoom in on individual elements or whatever they're a bit weird but they're sort of games to be viewed as a landscape and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. taking the breadth of it because yeah like it's it's a game that's all about, you know, it's set in Egypt, so it's all about these kind of wide open spaces um, and the occasional city and town or whatever. But a lot of it, uh, certainly where I am now, is just wandering through kind of the way the map's split up. You've got like a bit that has a town or a city or is just a bit more populated, like a village or something. And then they'll be connected by an area that is just sort of desert and these grand vistas and stuff. Yeah. So it's. Quite nicely varied. Um, it's, and interesting. Kind of, it's quite kind of like Zelda in that regard, isn't it? Zelda mm. only has a few settlements, but yeah, I mean, not quite the variety in. Yeah, no, there are, there are certainly elements of that. Um, the thing that disappoints me about that, to an extent, and the Zelda comparisons really apt here, is that because everything is still kind of tied to Ubisoft, seems to be like terrified that you might miss some quote unquote content. Um, right. Like there might be a mission or something that you don't find, or they, a thing to do that you won't discover. And so, when you go to an area and you do the tower things and you, you know you look around, there are question marks wherever you're going to find a thing, and that means you don't get. You, there's no discovery. Real need to go to a place or to look at the map and go, oh, I wonder what that building is. Maybe I should go and investigate it. Or that looks interesting. I'll go and see if there's anything there that's going to surprise me. It's like. If there's a question mark there, there will be something there. But if there's not, you know, you're not going to get anything out of it really, other than a thing to look around. Okay, interesting. Um, Does it have the option to switch that off? That's a good question. I've not dug into the 
the UI at all. It, it mm. is good in the sense that it doesn't give you a mini map, right? It just gives you a compass. You yeah, you don't have um, a mini map. You sort of have that Skyrim compass type thing yeah. where you know you can turn in a direction. You'll see oh, the question mark is four hundred. Is that? I mean, there is also a general map, but. Uh, predominantly what you do is use your uh, magic eagle to look at things yeah um, because because Ubisoft has really systematized that your owl is binoculars from Far Cry Primal <laughs> it's uh, it's quite a nice system in the sense that it shows you so much of the world without mm. much in the way of pop pop up yeah it's, and a, it's that's impressive you know it's a nice way to do that and I mean I do fundamentally quite like the ridiculous thing where you can tag a bunch of enemies and then you've just got a nice stealth challenge as you sort of go around mm. um that's another thing it is I it, I always struggle to remember what stealth in older Assassin's Creed games was like but I remember it I remember always being slightly disappointed especially in earlier ones where the, it was a game centered around the idea of assassination where it was very hard to actually be quiet and stealthy and actually slip past people. Yeah, see, I kind of remember it as like um, you basically do air assassinations or you find two guys next to each other. Mm. Let's see, we do that double blade kill thing, which I just did in person for no benefit. Uh, and it was very illustrative We're for us. We're too far away, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> My arms are just too big for this room. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, you could also uh, be the sort of the middle pip on a five-sided dice in four ladies mm. dancing or whatever right. and just get them to move around and yeah. you would have to just sort of stand in the middle of them hoping okay. that their skirts would conceal you or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the social stealth thing that they had, um, yeah, where you were you just go and stand in a group and pretend to chat to them while guards walk past. Yeah. So it had all that. So but don't worry, mate, it's just me and four prostitutes. No no biggie. <laughs> that was kind of like the, the thing, wasn't it? Or wasn't there like... Or hide in a haystack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's it's a classic. Those are the two stealths. Mm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I. Do you remember the... that um, that scientific study? I think that someone did of like, could you survive falling from this height using this amount of hay, like an Assassin's Creed or something? I mean, I someone someone did actually do it. <laughs> no, I think it was just like a, a thought experiment. But I think there was an actual paper published about you know like the the cushioning effects of haystacks. <laughs> yeah. The answer is you could, but you'd have many broken bones <laughs> and require several weeks in ER. Um, okay, so uh, what was I saying? Um, I was talking was about stealth. Yes. Yeah, we were talking about stealth. Um, it's, it reminds me a bit, actually, Phil, of... Um, like, I, I think it's slightly refined, so you can play it in a stealthy mm. way, which I think you noted on Twitter, actually, or on in Slack somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, I saw you, you made that observation, and like, it reminds me a bit of Uncharted 4 stealth, mm. where it's not particularly heavy and if it kicks off that's fine but um that you have enough it's it's a very, it's a very light set of self systems that you can yeah use, like yeah. um i guess again because it's a ubisoft game far cry is also quite a useful example in the um a lot of certainly like the one of the big kind of optional missions i did was around a temple and breaking into the temple and that had a kind of far cry outpost feel to it to an extent mm. i mean we weren't trying to capture the place or whatever which is kind of the point of outpost but it had that thing where you know there are stealth indicators and if you're seen they'll go and light a torch to call everybody and um let them know so so there's that kind of stakes but there's also a lot of leeway in the uh, you know they'll see you but if you can get out of the way quick enough they'll just come and investigate which can be really handy and mm. draw people off their path you can whistle uh which will attract guards sometimes you know it's just it's a bit weird that i don't know if this is an upgrade i'll get later but right now there's um there's the takedown option 
uh, for a silent takedown doesn't kill them. It just hits them quite hard and they fall over and they roll around in pain. Right. Which makes it really weird when you use it for a mission that is um, specifically kill this person. Because he doesn't. They're still on the floor rolling around in pain, but it comes up, tick, this person's killed. It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) This This hasn't happened. That's a bit strange. Which is odd, but fine. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have much delineation between a non-lethal takedown and a, like, I assume the game has no real... Yeah, there doesn't seem to be... Yeah, it's not like the, the, you're expected to do a non-lethal path. It's just weird that this animation is there for non-lethal. Yes, yeah, because I noticed that after I did mm. the first um, stealth bit. I, was it, like, I mean, it does have an effect in the... Um, you can't hide bodies if you do a non-lethal takedown, because they're alive, so you can't move them. That's very weird. Which is strange, yeah. because it's like... You know, if you if you're doing like a takedown in a busy area and you super don't want to be discovered, you have to kill them, but you can't kill them without actually being that's, discovered, and that's very strange. That strikes me as one of those things they didn't properly think about, <laughs> and like they, yeah, yeah, Maybe, yeah, that's but, strange. Maybe at some point they were going to have a a non-lethal lethal mm, thing, but you think they'd just do all lethal, wouldn't you? Being that you know assassin and everything, yeah, but um, I mean, it rarely comes up to be no. fair. So, um, Pip, have you played it all yet? Um, I played a little bit, but only to the extent that I'm out of the first um, tutorial-y bit. And yeah, the tomb bit. just wandered into a town and trampled a child with my camel. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a nice interactive feeling world in that sense, actually. You can, <laughs> you can really run over some children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, I always found that previous Assassin's Creed games were quite bad for that. Like mm. The world felt quite apart from you and automated and that you weren't really interacting with it and this this feels a little bit different i mean it's not zelda and that you can climb every surface or anything mm. but and there's still quite a lot of canned animation you stuff, can but yeah. climb a lot of surfaces it seems less rigid about that assassin's creed thing where it's like oh unless you can find this specific handhold yeah or a, a specific type of surface most rocks and buildings or whatever it's just like yeah there's bricks and stuff just go mm. yeah just do it so I think the combat is a bit more refined from what I played at E3. Like uh, it's, yeah. it's somewhat Dark Soulsy. I guess people have been making that comparison because it's got, mm. you know, targeting, strafing, hitboxes. That it, it, I can see why people would make that comparison. Mm. Like it's it's probably what they were going for. Yeah, I guess it's more Dark Soulsy in terms of its control scheme and how that's all mapped out than in like how it feels or the effect of it. The, the um, kind of dodging and like again, that's, yeah. that's control. Yeah, like yeah. I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep in the weeds what? in Dark Souls comparisons because you just get widely mocked by YouTubers. So yeah, um, <laughs> um, yeah. That one but, Twitter um, account already roast us. <laughs> it is it it is an improvement. Um, I was getting sick of that combat system. They've kept the platforming the same, which I'm, I've never been fond of that platforming to be honest. But uh, yeah, there's not as much I, of it because the world is a bit flatter. Yeah, it's not, it's not as much about climbing things. It's yeah. just an option that's handy when you're going up cliffs or stuff like that or just getting from a to b is yeah it seems simpler but it's not like so far i've not seen a situation like the old assassin's creed where it's like oh you've got to go through this building along this specific route and guess what there's arches on a building for no particular reason that's where all our soldiers live (laughs) on your roof i can't um deny that uh ubisoft for all the things they they get wrong um in like some of their open world games um they always look beautiful Mm. uh and this i thought the um that opening tutorial area the treasure rooms like the detail there and like <laughs> you know just how like trees and uh, water looks in in that town and just it, it is a 
quite impressively detailed like how open worldy are we talking here because like one of the things that i'm wondering is whether i want to wait for the educational like the the more touristy mode just Mm. so that i can boot it up and basically completely ignore the story i'd quite like to just see the world or like do bits of story at my own pace but prioritize seeing Mm. what the the world is and has to offer but so how how assassin's creed is it so um insistence that you (laughs) after you get the um opening tutorial out of that tomb you're kind of locked into this one district for a set amount of story missions or whatever Mm. and i spent quite a while in there because i was doing all the optional stuff and just sort of checking out the systems through side missions and things um i don't know how quickly you can actually to force your way through that but after that it does seem that you're sort of set loose a bit more Mm. but every district has um a level range to it and that is important that i mean that really gates the world because like i mean i've stumbled on even in the first district there was like one building that had people with little skulls over the head to say they're gonna fuck you up (laughs) and like one guy's arrow insta killed me Uh, And so it was like, oh, shit, yeah, if I wandered too far out of where you're allowed to go. So if you really want to tour it, yeah, the the, uh, history mode, whatever it's called, is is probably the way to go. I think Um, I might wait for that and also until I have a better graphics capability because it it feels like the sort of game that I don't want to be wanting to take screenshots of and then look at them and go, oh, they're not as good as <laughs> you know everyone else's. <laughs> what graphics card do you have here, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, it's whatever the the one at work is. Like the 970? Yeah. That's it, pretty good. Okay, because it seemed to be... I think we need, yeah, we need to possibly... That one probably has a bad CPU and we may need to change out the monitor uh, or something. Okay. Probably not a podcast conversation. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but, um, we can talk to IT. Although we'll probably also now get some recommendations. <laughs> That's true. You're probably hovering around the um, uh, recommended specs point there, though. So, mm. Have you updated your graphics card? Drivers. I have, I okay. believe. Yes. Um, yes, I am. Um, good, good. Because I, I, I tried to play Wolfenstein and it just said no. <laughs> you, you can't do this until you actually update your drivers. What the fuck? <laughs> Turns out I hadn't done that for a year. <laughs> Editor of PC Gamer. <laughs> insight there into our uh, yeah, games oh, playing lives yeah. um, so but- would you like to update so it's like, no never <laughs> <laughs> I'll update when I'm good and ready I always oh. feel bad asking people if they like Tom uh, Senior was writing about uh, Nio or Neo whatever it's called that uh, slightly Dark Souls like bling game um, uh, that's just been released on PC yeah. haven't released on PS4 and I asked him if he had he updated his drivers like you know every guy on the internet and uh, he was like yes and I was like oh, I feel bad for us uh, it's, it's a fair question in that it's becoming increasingly we're, we're digging into this now uh, we're doing this <laughs> fascinating stuff yeah really. um, my home PC thing- has that stupid windows pop up every day that says why don't we get this off your to do list and you can update <laughs> windows 10 and it's always no ask me tomorrow when I'll also say no ask me tomorrow the one- the, um, go on sorry because the the problem now is NVIDIA makes you sign in to their stupid-ass oh, GeForce experience to NVIDIA update your drivers. Login. Like, that's the you worst have thing. to log in. And yet, I can never remember what my password is. And then I go to reset it, and it's like, I just, I'll just i use the easiest possible password, because I don't want this to be a difficult process. And it's like, no. Actually, you need capital <laughs> letters, symbols, lowercase letters, and numbers, fucker. Yeah. And it's well, like, well, I just want to play Wolfenstein. 
But <laughs> Phil, you were sat next to me when you played at its thing of like, hello, would you care to do two-step authentication that then oh my involves God, yeah. like needing to download an app on my phone and then needing to reset my password and then needing to do all manner of things. And then it was like, also, please save all of these bits of information. And it was like, it was it was basically giving me a bunch of horcruxes to look <laughs> after at that point. I was like, what? I, I feel with the... Um, nvidia uh, login thing that i've paid money i've paid them money for a graphics card and they've given me work yeah in order to use it <laughs> they like, really have. They, they've I'm, given I'm, you a job now yeah. and that job is remembering a piece of information that like you're yeah. some sleeper agent that you've got to just <laughs> delve it in every time somebody releases a game yeah and they and they chose to do that like they didn't knit graphics uh, no, drivers worked, worked fine yeah it worked they had that program and you didn't have to do that for years and then yeah. they were just like hey what if we gave you some work though <laughs> to yeah. no benefit like i don't know what my geforce account does for me not really i mean it's like i'd like that they consolidated all of the different nvidia things into one place shadow play and stuff but wasn't it They'd already that done anyway? that, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 um but so yes, I don't really see the point. Everyone anyway. loves a login. <laughs> oh yeah, I just thought there's already like there are already too much, too many bullshit programs to log into on your PC to do to do PC gaming. Like, and they it, all insist that they're so special and like you know it's like oh you really need to do this and it's all security and would you like two factor authentication? So it's like and no, you can't you save like your password. Phone number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Nvidia will never remember your. It doesn't password. remember password, no. And like um. I will. Uh, I'll say one other thing. The worst thing is when Windows pings you and goes, "We haven't been able to update Windows for ages." And then you're there thinking, "I never sent any sympathy for you, motherfucker. <laughs> don't use emotional blackmail on me. You're my fucking operating system. I don't. I, was, I don't work for you, Jeff." I was technically <laughs> logged in as Andy for a whole bunch of time earlier this month because of various reasons. I was so tempted to mess with his brand. <laughs> 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 the damage you could have wrought. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the annoying thing about it is that, like, um, you know, so like PS4 never makes you log in again. Basically, no. uh, once you've, I mean, I've never been asked to log in again other than to like cancel my PS Plus membership on PS4. And like, I feel like I'm always having to log into the Nvidia thing every two or three months, mm. and I'm always going through the same forgot password process, and I just hate it. <laughs> what I really hate is there was one system I can't remember what it was. It might have been Windows, a game for Windows Live or something that insisted that I couldn't remember my password. So I asked it to reset my password, and then I typed in the thing that I thought it was because obviously I remembered that and thought, mm. oh, okay, fine. And then it was like, uh, you can't change your password from what it. Pre- previously was to this uh, because it's the same i was like wait what? no no no, no. <laughs> oh well, so yeah uh, well, that's, and that's what i think of assassin's creed origins <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's the, the price you pay for having the best graphics card i guess does but, um, abstergo have two-factor authentication it's <laughs> <laughs> like, a very good question what would you do like get a text from your own brain <laughs> from the future <laughs> like, wait what <laughs> I'm going to dig a bit deeper into Origins this weekend. Um, yeah, so. But um, I think uh, everyone's having uh, one problem with it, technically, which is that the cutscenes are stuttering. That seems to be happening yeah, for everyone, right? Yeah, you, me and Andy have all had that. I've not looked wider. But, yeah, it's 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 not, like, it's noticeable. It's not a big problem. It's just, like, usually when they're loading in, they get a bit juttery. And it's like the game runs so smoothly that that's kind of weird. But Yeah. How are you yeah. finding the story, Phil? Um, <laughs> it's... Is it an Assassin's Creed story? Yeah, it's basic. Like right. the dude's angry about stuff and he wants to murder people, and that's fine. 
I'm happy to help him do that. Oh, that's good. You're an enabler. You're a classic <laughs> really enabler. Um, also, some stuff's happening in the future or whatever. The Animus device now, because I've not played it for a while, it's kind of interesting being forced back into their future bullshit. Because yeah. uh, now it works by directly plugging it into the corpse of whoever you want to relive. Which That's sort of makes more creepy, sense. Than, it's though. creepy, but it kind of makes more sense than the original thing, which is you can relive the entire past of your ancestors through the memory embedded in your DNA. So hang on, could you just go back to last week and see what someone was up to if they died? I mean, I guess so. Or, like, because I do some weird things just to entertain people like, who are just sort of hijacking my consciousness. Mm. That would be... This will yeah. be fun for someone, uh, one day plugging my DNA into a machine. Look, I'm creating <laughs> corpse content. <laughs> uh, okay. Synchronise this, motherfucker. <laughs> or just, like, have really, really long poops. <laughs> it's like, right, fine. You've wasted your lunch hour, haven't you? <laughs> well, that's. Uh, I think we're pretty much done with Assassin's Creed there. I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm. Um, we'll, we'll definitely have more to say about this because I've still only played a couple of hours. I've played about as much as Pip actually. So mm. yeah, I, uh, but yeah, no, it's enjoyable. Mm. Uh, good bows as well. Quite like shooting things with the arrows, especially yes. crocodiles. Yeah, so I think that Assassin's Creed, the more precise all the interactions get in Assassin's Creed Origins, the better it will be. That's always been my problem with the series. Yeah. Okay, cool. We talked about poops, talked about controls, talked about combat. We'll move on. Um, Near Automata, which I've been playing. Automata. Automata? I've got no idea. Automata. Automata, that's it. <laughs> I don't um, know. Well, that's, that is the correct uh, way you said it. So, well, yes, I've been playing this game released in February on the PC. It is the spiritual successor slash kind of actual successor to Nier. Yeah, kind of, in that they are hundreds of thousands of years apart, yes. story-wise. And only really seem to share some imagery. I, I, the, 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 you, I, how far through are you? Uh, I'm about seven hours into it. Okay. Yeah, hmm. so I, I've noticed some imagery from the first yeah. game, but also the first game was uh, extremely bad. Um, uh, and not available on PC. So yes, I've never, I hadn't played it. Why so is I it called Near? Is that where it's based, or? Sorry. Why is it called Near? Is that like the the land it's set in? Or I don't know. What, what is it? Mm. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. It's not a great name, is it? But, wasn't uh, one of the. Oh. What was the main guy called Nier, is what you're saying? Yeah, wasn't there a, someone called Nier? In, again, I sort of read the plot just to figure out how it interacted, but it actually sounded ridiculous. So yeah. this is a true story, um, because the N and the R are capitalised. When I first saw it written down, like I'd never heard of the game before, but I um, I thought it was an eSports name, just because, <laughs> like, odd capitalisation. Yes. I was like, sure. I, I can see why you would think that, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, part platinum game style hack and slash game. You can you've got a bit of bayonetta in there with the combat, um, mm. although it's not nearly as complicated. No. And then there's also a, a kind of open world RPG quality to it. Yep. You are going around taking on quests, and the world's broken up into these. You you kind of go down a corridor, and then a new area opens up. It's a little bit Zelda-y, I guess, the way mm. it's structured. I mean, old Zelda as opposed to new Zelda. Um, and uh, yeah, then there's this quite sad android sci-fi story wrapped around it where you're basically these disposable little combat dolls who are sent to this planet to clear out the robot, uh, evil robot population in the name of helping mankind move back there. Is that right? Yes, that yeah. is correct. Yeah. Isn't there um, a film that's got quite a similar plot that's been doing the rounds lately? Um, 
No, um, in fact, I'm thinking of the signal from Tolva, which has got a kind oh, yeah. of similar. Yeah, there's um just because yeah, although, although I think in that you might be a human who interfaces directly with robots yes, yes. by, but yeah, you you using you're essentially using uh, robots to clear a planet of robots. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I suppose they have that in common. Any, mm. Weird. Anyway, yeah, it's um. It's quite an odd game. Totally. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It is because it's in a set in a very plain-looking world. Uh, yeah, in, pla- in places anyway. No, for sure. Like, um, especially like the opening bit. Well, not the industrial bit. Like when you get to the city, which is like uh, in slave style, overrun, nature's taken over, kind of these decrepit buildings. But it doesn't look good in any way. Like, <laughs> no, it looks like a PS3 game, kind of. Yeah, but also I find it like quite plain aesthetically as well. Like, It's not just that the texture work is quite, you know, bad. It's that I think you really have to sort of cross your eyes and squint to sort of have it be feel like a, a kind of interesting aesthetic choice. Yeah, like it's... Um... It's in the inter- it's interesting the contrast between this quite drab world and these very stylized characters mm. who uh, you know wear these kind of like black leather clothing and it's all you know a little bit fetishy I guess but it's like fetishature um, basically yeah. super fetishy <laughs> yeah and so that contrast is I guess interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, so it does. So I guess it's not a bad looking game. But then it's- yeah, there. Are, I mean, there are also some areas that are quite, you know, well conceived as well. It's like, yeah, I think that the city seems to be one of the plainer bits, weirdly, but it does. And that desert bit that starts quite plain mm. too. Although the sprawl of those areas is quite nice. Yeah, I think like the way the the kind of arc of the desert area towards like the boss encounter there that's makes, very well done actually yeah that's a really i think that's the moment where i thought okay no this is definitely worth persisting with as a yeah yeah as a sort of story and um collection of atmospheric ideas thrown at you yeah it's quite eerie in the ways that the robots you encounter kind of mimic humans and human speech mm. and there are these little snippets of dialogue from what you assume was an era, an era where humans roam this planet, and you're in, un, unsure of what it entirely means. But it's quite unsettling and interesting. And yeah, I agree. Actually, that's a, the point that the game got me. Um, and yeah, it, it's 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 a cool, odd thing. Like um, it's probably it's Platinum's best game in quite some time. I'd say probably the best game since uh, probably Vanquish. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to think what else they made. Revengeance. Revengeance. I didn't Revengeance, play Revengeance, but yeah. I, I imagine it is. Yeah, so it's um, uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool thing that I will, I'll persist with. Again, I've been playing that just to kind of hit the uh, PC gamer game of the year thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's cool. Is that your sort of thing, Pip? Would you play a game like that? Um, I think I possibly would, but I'd probably be more tempted to play it like on console over a weekend or so. You know, like yeah. or start to um, rather than as a, a PC mainstay. Um, just in terms of how things fit into my free time or in my working life. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, uh, it's definitely a nice one to play in front of the TV, um, which is what I've been doing, but if you're, obviously it depends on your PC is in your house. The other thing is <laughs> the PC version's notoriously a bit shit, or at least has been this year. Yeah, what's it been like? Have you, are you playing the... Yeah, I, it's fine for me. Okay. Uh, the only thing I, I've turned down is the shadows, um, but everything else Classic. is... Yeah. <laughs> You never really stop to appreciate them, do you? Um, actually, you read that really handy article on our website that said the graphic settings to always turn off or turn down. And yeah, it recommended Shadows. And I was like, they're right. Yeah. They're, it's running so well now. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I think it's running fine. Pretty good. Um, but I suppose it, it sounds like it's very much a 
depends on your setup kind of thing with that port so uh yeah but really interesting and cool i want to see where the story goes and i i get some sense that there's quite an interesting end game repeat structure yeah um can you talk about that without spoiling it uh yes sort of i guess um when you complete it, uh, you can basically go back in, um, and you're not playing it again as such. Um, I don't want to say too much about that right. specifically, but um, yeah, it, it's not over after the credit. I mean, for, for one thing, there are multiple endings that are kind of joke endings, like um, Silent Hill. Uh, like things that can occur like at any moment um if you do like the first mission for instance you can just sort of wander off instead of doing what you're meant to be doing and it will just come up with an, the credits will roll and it will say ending g and give it a title or whatever right There's, you can eat a specific fish and you'll get an ending um ah <laughs> uh, yes yeah, the macro ending yeah <laughs> Okay. No, it's um, a red herring. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, um, Fish bands. Could, should have thought for five more seconds about that one. <laughs> um, I've now achieved for the year I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, and they're just, you know, little jokey things and you load back in. Um, but there are five main endings, but you don't have to play through the game five times. Okay, uh, cool. It's... Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a hard one to talk about if you've not played it. Uh, but it'll make perfect uh, sense when you play but it. But I'll be interested to talk about it once you get, if you get to that point, because uh, I have thoughts on the second of those those sort of playthroughs. Interesting. Uh, so so I one thing I really like about it, uh, I'll say before we move on to questions, is that the um, the system, it, the Dark Soulsy system it has of a body being left behind and you, mm. you can leave a message when you die that other players will pick up. That system makes much more sense in this than it does in Dark Souls to me because the fiction really supports it. I mean, you are yeah. these disposable androids, so that's actually a brilliant idea because they're, they're great. They make you gulp. Like You get to a boss area and you see four bodies around and you're like, oh, shit. Um, For sure. And so, the, yeah, that kind of, it creates that atmosphere. And then, yeah, they, they leave these weird little kind of like... Um, you can uh, create your own little custom message or something, can't you? They're all, they're all like really kind of poetic, like mm. Twitter statuses. Um, they're like, uh, <laughs> here lies a blue rose you that get was one final, plucked by you, God or something like that. You get one final life journal <laughs> sentence before you die. And... God, or deviant art prompts. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that's uh, that's really cool. And that that system makes much more sense to me here. But mm. um, hey ho, should we move on to questions? Sure. Uh, that means I'm going to have to kind of deal with the email thread where we came up with the questions. Did it was it N Brady Easton who asked about? He asked a question that is written in this email thread now, so I can <laughs> ask it. Uh, and he asked question for the next podcast. Thinking back to when I used to drink pint cans of Stella Artois and play Quake Three on a 56k modem as a 15 year old evokes wonderful memories. That's illegal. That's illegal. And after drinking Stella at 15, I assume you wouldn't even have memories. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> Is uh, it now, illegal if it's at home and with your parents' permission? I don't know. It's probably illegal for your parents to buy it and allow you to drink it. I don't know. No, you're allowed to have alcohol mm, at home, hey, aren't you? Yes. Hey, anyway, Brady Easton's home life is his business. Yeah, we, we shouldn't dig into how, how <laughs> many her. laws you've broken. Or her, but I'm quite sure it's okay. uh, quite certain to him. Uh, now, as a man's man... Okay. <laughs> uh, I enjoy well. craft beer with my PC games. Saison with Rocket League, a vice beer with Wolfenstein 2, a 10.5% coffee stout with Thimbleweed Park. 
Do you enjoy a particular beverage, alcoholic or otherwise, with particular games to get you more immersed in the experience? Well, first of all, Thimbleweed Park should be the name of a 10% Imperial <laughs> Stout. That's true. <laughs> that should be a thing you can buy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. God, uh, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, I... Uh, I'll just drink whatever I own, which will usually be a variety Craft of beer. Well, usually some sort of stout. Yeah, <laughs> some probably. chocolate stout, Sam. But yeah, indeed. We've got your number. <laughs> but it may also fill me uh, a very cheap <laughs> bottle of rose that I bought Fair from enough. the shop. Probably some Ernest and Julio Gallo or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, white Grenache. I'll, uh, it's Grenache, right? That's what you say. Yeah, it is. Okay, um, yeah, so there's that. Or there's a, there's a variety of uh, beers that I'm on at the moment. Um, there's a very good uh, marshmallow flavoured porter that uh, Tiny Rebel in Cardiff make and um, there's a new bottle shop in Bath and they sell it so I've been I've been on that a little bit um, I, I was uh, what was I playing while I was I was I was playing Dishonored 1 DLC whilst drinking that so there you go there's a specific example how about you two it's good <laughs> <laughs> Pip's just recovering from that whole sentence from from how 100% Sam that whole sentence was oh god <laughs> I if mean you, if you can't hear it um, Pip looks uh revolted right now <laughs> not revolted just yeah that sounds about right resigned <laughs> i knew what i was getting into yeah it's one of my only real indulgences though like i live quite a, a pared down life otherwise what marshmallow flavored <laughs> well not beer. that specific beer but you know that yeah beer that tastes a bit like candy or puddings <laughs> that's my that's my vice in life pretty much fair yeah. i really like um stouts and porters as well i mm. quite like there's a um a coffee one called common grounds which is really nice um but yeah also i mean you know that i love the white wine and barocca cocktail of sort of health and <laughs> relaxation <laughs> it's basically a spa in a glass <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's an interesting one. i i didn't really want to bring that up on the podcast unless you it's brought fine. it up first so <laughs> Um, you're also into the um, flat white uh, coffee uh, porter from uh, M&S, right? Um, I quite liked it, but it's one of those ones that isn't exactly in rotation. It's just a thing that sounded nice and was quite nice. Yeah, it's sort of like all of the ones you can buy from a place like, oh, it's so terribly wanky, I apologise. Or the ones you can buy from like M&S or Waitrose or whatever are kind of like... There'll only ever really be six or seven out of ten beers, and the really good ones you kind of have to go searching for a bit harder. Mm. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I never thought I'd become that person. That I, have. I don't tend to have pairings, though. If you see what I mean, like mm. I don't have a yeah. pairing of a game with yeah. a with a thing. Like um, it's more that I have. Like if I'm hanging out with Tom Francis, then that is usually a whiskey or a, an old fashioned themed themed event mm. uh uh yeah but whiskey is definitely present um and if if i'm hanging out with uh sometime pc gamer writer kimberly gin usually features okay, so yeah. but yeah like it's uh, uh, the pairings are more people than they are genres or <laughs> games themselves how about you phil i just drink coffee always uh i don't even drink alcohol at home much now it's just fully coffee and vaping that's my life. <laughs> I fucking hate myself. Have you got a coffee vape? <laughs> I don't. I hate fla- all flavours. Mm. I can deal with mint and that's it. I think one of my all-time mm. favourite um, Phil Savage rants was when you were describing the going to the vaping shop in Bath <laughs> and what that experience was like. Like the the way I, when I walked past it, the way I could describe it was you know that bit in Deus Ex Human Revolution where there's uh, a twat breakdancing <laughs> in the subway. <laughs> it's like a whole shop of that. Oh wow. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but you know, just everyone inside looks looked quite smug. I would say that. I, I haven't been into there since the time. I never wanted to go in there. I don't like it. It's just. I haven't quit nicotine yet. <laughs> I need. I still need a nicotine delivery method. And... I think the thing that bothers me is how pervasive the sugary smells are. Like yeah, exactly. it's actually more. I, I, I find that it gets places more than actual cigarette smoke, oh, and sorry. so it's kind of like you know you just get like a, a lung full of someone's potpourri, <laughs> and you're like, oh god, that's that. I, I don't feel good about myself right now, and this is this is terrible. And yeah, so yeah, it's a bad scene full of terrible flavors. There's I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to like obviously like slag off people who are trying to give up smoking and things it's more that like i think there must be a way to make it so that it doesn't just sort of pour forth from your face like your smaug or whatever the thing is (laughs) you know i mean generally if you're inhaling it for the purpose of having nicotine then you don't have massive ridiculous like that's definitely a scene thing people getting trying to get you know big cotton clouds Mm, yeah wanker (laughs) Sorry, I need to start. This is maybe this is my heel turn. Do you need to go and have uh, a quick vape fill to get over this? <laughs> That's probably true. No, I, I've not been in there since I went uh, in once, and they were like, they saw the device I was using, uh, and were like, "Oh, that it's a classic. Remember that?" I was like, "It's a year old, mate. This scene hasn't been all long enough around long enough to have classic anything. Classic, amazing. So hang on. Why would I buy you... one every six months? It works. If you aren't going to the vape shop, how are you vaping? There's an okay. So Bath has two vape shops. Oh. They have the one. Hey, let's not say which one's which. No, no, no. Because they so have the one that's terrible and full of genuine, just awful people. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's the one Sam's talking about. There's another one. Um, that's just staffed by two women who don't give a fuck. Uh, you, so you just go in there and you ask what you want, and they don't have like the other ones. Is like they only exclusively do the sweet and fruity flavors or whatever, and you just can't get any regular normal thing. Mm. This other one, you can just go in and go, oh yeah, I have a couple of bottles of menthol, and they'll hand it to you and take your money, and you leave, and the transaction's done, and <laughs> it's amazing. It it's like an amazing people. shop. <laughs> Um, okay, I, cool. I wonder how long until people like have homemade vaping, you know, things on um, like Etsy and things. Or when they'll do like uh, a vaping stick. I don't know the terminology uh, that has like um, has an a old pesky Nintendo. e-cigarette, as the uh, flight safety video teaches me. <laughs> um, that has like a Nintendo game and watch built into it, so you can play fucking, uh, you know, like what's it called? That game where you hit the moles. That's Whack-a-mole. It's not called that in Game of Watch, though. It's called something else. Uh, or like, um, okay, I don't remember the name of any of those games. But yeah, you know. Like Someone will make one that's got Doom on it. Yes, that will happen. That oh, will. John Carmack will make that, will <laughs> Might as well. When John Carmack starts vaping, it's a countdown until the Doom mod. Shall we move on to the next question? Oh, for the love of God, yeah. I don't know why I put my phone away. We've actually got to keep talking about this because I remembered I have to look this up. I've got no further thoughts on vaping, Pip, you? Um... No, I mean otherwise. I just, I, I, like I say, I have no problem with vaping. I just, Same. it's I, a, a I very would... good method, alternative to cigarettes, uh, which are bad and murderous. I just prefer sugar clouds to be all for my own creation. <laughs> you know, I want to have dived face first into the candy floss machine. Okay. You know. Is it like the hay where they've done some kind of scientific test on that to see if you'll survive after? Oh, that would be good. Although candy floss is just, it's th- there's absolutely no structural integrity there no. at all. And also it's got that slight squeakiness and it's quite 
like coarse, yeah. like strangely coarse. My father <laughs> used to run the um, the candy floss machine at the local school fair. Before we get into that, let's do the next question. <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, I've had this for a while now. I was just sort of enjoying <laughs> seeing where this was going. Um, <laughs> Nowhere uh, fast. <laughs> Gavin Hart asks, after Sam's comment about moistening his eyes, is this a reference to last week? Or something? He uh, didn't blink while he was playing Wolfenstein 2, I believe. Yeah, I had a terrible he- headache afterwards. Anyway, right. carry on. Uh, do you feel you'd review differently if you could play at your leisure? Uh, any specific games you'd have enjoyed more at your own pace? Yes, Wolfenstein 2. <laughs> <laughs> the new Colossus. Yeah. Oh, by Bethesda. Um, well, that was a situation where we got review code very late. I don't mm-hmm. think they actually, I don't think it was meant to arrive as late as it did. Um, and it meant that every site essentially races to get their review online because you want to do that because you want people to read it um, and you know it's to your benefit to do it but it means that the game has to be played so quickly in a way that no one would ever play it and it's just a tough position you're put in when you get review code that late Mm. and so I gave a a verdict that I think reflects what I I truly feel about it but absolutely I would love to have played it um, at my own pace but you know, as I was, uh, I think we said this in the podcast last week, it's a, a deeply privileged problem to have. <laughs> I think once you've done a few things like that, you start being able to know how to adjust for it in some ways. Yeah. Like you, you know yeah. the parts that will have suffered for that specific time constraint and the things that are deep structural problems yes. that the game itself will not. Yeah, like when there were a yeah. couple of bits that I was just dying on, I knew it's because I was too impatient to actually properly stealth it. And then I thought, okay, let's just go have some dinner. Calm down, we'll come back. And I just did it like first time, like mm. that's uh, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it happened happened a bit with MGS Five. I think I probably would have given that like it's just one more point, but I would have given it that point if I played it in my own time because I came to truly love that game after yeah. the review process. Um, so yeah, it happens quite a lot, but like. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I. I think I got the right score for Wolfenstein too, and the, and all of the um, the points I made still stand. So mm. it's not hugely detrimental. It's just not an enjoyable way to play a game, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Anyone else want to weigh in on that? Or, um, I mean, so what was the exact phrasing of the question? The exact phrasing of the question. Oh, sorry. Have you gone uh, to a different one? A different one, but oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, do you f- review? Uh, do you f- feel you'd review differently if you could play at your leisure? And are there any specific games you'd have enjoyed more at your own pace? I think there's nothing that comes to mind that I would have reviewed differently because mm. of the things that Sam and I have said. But I think every single game I would enjoy more if I could play it at my own pace. But that's entirely because you're playing it for different reasons. Like if it was a mediocre game, I would stop playing yeah. and therefore would not have the mediocre experience, if you see what I mean. Um, And if it was something that I was enjoying, but I knew would have problems that I should warn other people about, you know, they don't bother you in the same way because you're not taking account of them or you're not needing to sort of explain how they fit in and why they didn't bother you, but why they might bother other people. It's you get to just sort of put all of that on hold and just go, but I'm having a nice time and just embrace that. So I think it can affect how I talk about things after because it means that I've, I can just sort of say, hey, this is a thing that I really loved, and mm. that's maybe what I would write about in a, um, like, now playing thing or a kind of anything where I revisit something or explain why I love. Yeah. Um, but it's not. I don't think it would. Have, but I can't think of anything where I would have changed the review of it because that stuff has all been things that I believed were fair and accurate. 
yeah or true to the experience that i was reporting on mm. how are you phil i'm struggling to think of one that i really feel like i had to rush through um like Fallout, you got quite a good time with that, didn't you? Yeah, like things like Fallout and Dragon Age Inquisition. Like I had to play a lot of them, uh, but usually over the course of a week, which is kind of enough time to you know you can blink, for instance, <laughs> you have time to blink and, and eat a dinner. Um, yeah, I guess that's because I tended to pick just huge RPGs and things uh, or Dishonored style which you know it's still thought to be like 20 or so hour campaigns uh, where yeah. they give you a decent chunk of time but then you didn't re- you don't really get the time to explore the world as much as uh, at the no. pace you'd like but then you did you took a bit longer with Dishonored because of all the whole patch nonsense yeah you? I mean Dishonored I played through quite quickly but I was still pretty thorough I feel like mm. because I don't know, that was one of those situations where we'd already missed, like, the embargo, quote-unquote, because there wasn't one. It was while Bethesda was sending out code, you know, for the day of release, basically. Which they seem to have relaxed a bit. That seems to be the way with Wolfenstein. It's it's confusing. But, I like, I guess one of the benefits of that is I didn't feel as much pressure to really just blast through it quite as quickly. Like, we still, you know... Obviously, internally, we had a timetable for when we wanted the review up, yeah. and because of all the issues, we blew right past that. But yeah, I did have it played like basically, I had a weekend for it, which is kind of enough for most single player games. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Okay, what's the next question, Phil? Next question uh, from Kurt Lewin. Uh, in order to support the developer, i.e., Machine Games, does it matter when I buy Wolfenstein 2 as long as I buy it new? Uh, and then he follows up, or any other game, uh, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein is just an example. Um, I have a backlog to play first, but want to support the developer, uh, but would also rather save money. So does it matter when you buy games if you're also looking to support the developer? Um, I would say that you don't actually need to put that burden on yourself. Like it's, uh, I mean, it's good to support a developer, but at the end of the day, your £40 won't determine whether they close or not, and you should just make the choice that's right for you. Um, but I mean in PC you can only really buy games brand new anyway right so mm. I guess the question is do you buy it on sale or not on sale well I suppose key resellers yeah, and I things mean, oh, yeah, yeah. avoid places like that but yeah mm. but um, yeah I mean I, I guess it does I mean they're just if you if you pay more money for a game on Steam then they will receive more money but um, I wouldn't give it that much thought personally I suppose just, it depends on international laws and taxes and all yeah. of that but I mean you know so I, it, sorry these things are like so unfathomable sometimes and like there are so many sort of odd or arcane or weird decisions or uh, restrictions that especially I especially when there's like a publisher involved and uh yeah, yeah those are, you know a, a vast complex network of contracts and things determining stuff that you know you will never be able to untangle um Mm. I'm sure developers and publishers specifically love having a high number of sales in the first weekend the game's released. But, yeah, Sam said that's not really on the consumer to no. support. Um, no. I mean, it's on. It's kind of what the point of the marketing is to, like, gear it around a particular launch window to get a critical mass of people mm. investing and talking and get that ball rolling and whatever. But yeah, that's on them and not, yeah, not the... Yeah, and it's difficult because I think people see stuff like uh, things like you, these single player games or whatever not doing well, or you know games they love not getting the the sort of sales thing you need. But 
it also feels like again like that's kind of for the industry to figure out yeah and figure out ways around that and feeling obliged to support an industry that probably does need to have a look at how it operates and yeah. what's feasible long term so it's, one of the things that happens on like on the tiny scale like micro studios and um indie projects on itch.io and things there's the facility to essentially have a minimum amount, but mm. you know you can pay whatever you want above that. So it's almost like a tip jar or a kind of you know pay what you want scheme. Um, and I know that a few people have experimented with versions of that on Steam with sort of you know empty DLC yeah, DLC that just gives you a JPEG saying thank you. Yeah, yeah. and like people being transparent about that, but mm, yeah, like totally. trying to. So I think it would be interesting if any of the like mid-sized studios attempt anything on that front like i think kickstarter stretch goals are sort of maybe a a a version of that in some way because it's like oh well the thing has reached its goal but people also still want to buy in or still want to show their support or pledge above and beyond Uh, although there is a transactional element to a lot of that but yeah like if it's if it's someone that you're worried is going to close or that their games aren't making as much as they used to, I, I would be interested in in ways that the industry tries to figure that out. Not saying that any would be good or bad, just more yeah. I'd be interested in what they try and do on that front. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you could look to um, publishers like Paradox, because uh, for Crusader Kings and Europa Universalis, they have... Uh, an exceptional amount of DLC in multiple flavors, and there there was probably for Crusader Kings two, maybe six or seven, what you'd call actual expansions or mm. proper content things, and the rest are like avatar packs and music packs and stuff. And to an extent, that's always seemed to me. I know people get really funny about that because mm. they, they feel like oh, Paradox is just trying to, you know, um, exploit their fans or whatever with all these DLC things but I've always thought of it more as like that's the hobbyist option for if if that sort of game is your pastime more than gaming is your pastime if like you know it's it's a way of supporting a thing that you could put hundreds of thousands of hours into a bit further I think that's how I used to feel about Dota because obviously it's a, a free game ostensibly and I have more than 2,000 hours in it and so I actually would sometimes just fling it like a battle pass is worth of money or whatever like not necessarily because there was anything in that that I wanted but I felt that that was a way for me to acknowledge the value of the time there and it's kind of weird given that Valve is such a a a, a famously moneyed company (laughs) I guess and like that it it's the fact that the development is you know this anonymous person and like it it wasn't like there was like a personal stake or that valve needed the money or anything Mm. but it was kind of for me it was a way of acknowledging the value that that time had for me although actually i feel very differently now and i i'm very much not inclined to spend that money and also the flip side of what i was saying about people maybe trying ways to see whether there are other ways to support their games or to acknowledge community sort of putting value on what they do is that I don't think it's fair to put the survival of your business mm. on 
other people, especially if you just haven't come up with a successful proposition. It's not on your fans to have to pay money to to f- help you figure that out or to patch up those those holes. So there's yeah, there's definitely the two perspective or multiple perspectives. It's interesting. So I've definitely bought like I've spent money on loot boxes and things for games I've played a lot of and for a similar reason it was just like okay well though this is a game I've spent hundreds of hours of there's clearly value to it for me so I don't mind spending a bit extra on it even if you know you don't need a reward as a developer because you're super rich Mm. but yeah also I've I mean the loot box discussion is a whole thing unto itself but yeah I think as those systems become more efficient at egregious uh, yeah (laughs) But yeah, that relationship has definitely changed, it feels like. Uh, How about you, Sam? Is hmm. there anything that you have on that? Um, uh, so I've only ever bought one microtransaction in the game, and that was I bought a shark card in GTA, which I think I might have talked about before, um, for similar reasons, that I you know, played uh, 100 hours of GTA Online, and I thought I can justify this hmm. um, amount of money uh, to buy basically a Jeep that had uh, machine guns, um, but also a helicopter that could fire rockets, because I wanted both of those things and I only had the money for one. Um, so, yeah, I um, I did that, but I agree that it's a problem they need to solve. And there's also, um, I would say, the, the ways that we measure success of these games is completely obscure because um, in most cases these games are multi-format yeah. and uh, their success will really be determined by how they sell on PS4 or Xbox One and we, you know, and increasingly those sales are digital and unlike Steam Spy there's a no actual way to see how they are selling so what we don't even know what success uh, counts as to that's these companies. It, like, the first time it's ever raised for, for sort of us tends to be the um, a, a web a multi format post site saying, "Oh, the UK sales charts for this game uh, have are bad." But where can you like, buy games in boxes? That's specifically now, you know? for console games, and I guess PC games in boxes bought physically in shops Which in the UK only. And I think you, like, I don't even know if game still has a box PC. Bit. No. I think you can buy Steam gift cards. A lot, yeah, there. it's all gift cards and stuff for digital. Like they do, it's so yeah. Collecting these figures must be very difficult. And and if your game is, or if your IP or your brand or your game is sufficiently popular, then there's like you know there's merchandising yeah. and there's you know various ways that you could be like garnering a bit of extra money via uh, Twitch and things like subscriptions or you know whatever else. I'm not sure if any developers really do that probably not but i mean you know there are there are so many alternative revenue streams out there that it's really hard to uh, like it's maybe a yardstick of how well a game is doing in some capacity and the likelihood that all of these other things are working or doing well but it doesn't yeah it doesn't really no give you anything approaching a full picture Exactly. And the single player thing's a tricky argument anyway because, you know, they're saying two of the biggest games, not on PC, but two of the biggest games of the year were Zelda and Horizon Zero mm. Dawn, neither of which have egregious microtransactions. They all have, you know, they're, they're big open world games with loads, you know, yeah. loads of icons and stuff, but they are still single player games that a lot of people have found to be valuable experiences. So I, I agree with the sentiment that we shouldn't worry about it until that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Any more I, questions? Uh, there is one more that, uh, as far as I know, you didn't ask last week, but my phone agrees to unlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course you cleared the way. Okay. 
Sorry if you can hear a, uh, some talking going on in the background, by the way. We're, we're in our deeply not soundproof uh, room. So there's a phone call. I hope nothing confidential is being discussed. I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure they're talking about Ghostbusters or something. Should they reboot Ghostbusters? Something like that, probably. They have rebooted Ghostbusters. I mean, again. <laughs> you know these companies are like? What, a free boot? Yeah, I guess, yeah. That's what it's going to be called. You know that's what it's going to be called. Yeah, probably. Mm. Go on, Phil. Sorry, I have the question again. I'm just... Uh, what are the classics when it comes to game reviews, i.e. best reviews ever written, best pieces of games journalism? And that is asked by James Clark. Um, oh, I don't think I like anyone's work anymore. <laughs> All the people Here were... come the beefs. <laughs> no, I am... Um, Get ready for beefs. I think my all-time favourite piece of games writing is probably Chris Donlan's LNOR piece on Eurogamer, where he talks about playing it with his, I think his dad, who uh, was a cop in L.A., at that time and recalls specific details about the era and I thought that was amazing he's a lovely man who makes very smart articles and mm. really accessible like human yeah. stories from gaming yeah so that was uh, I've not read that for a few years but I've read it I read it three times when it was published and that is amazing it's mm. a brilliant piece of work how about mm. you two nothing particularly springs to mind um, and that's not shade that's just that I tend to sort of bookmark things but forget specifics like as in you know I'll I'll read a lot of stuff and I'll try and like learn from it if I think someone explained something really well Mm. or that it was particularly evocative for a reason or valuable to me in some way but it's more that I find it really helpful to just incorporate things and um, like reevaluate my own writing Um, I will say I don't necessarily I don't really read game reviews for pleasure Mm. Um, pretty much at all it's more just for you know research or sort of if I need to or if something catches my eye when I'm looking for a different thing Um, but that's mostly because you know either I'm writing about a thing and would like to you know make my own mind up and then sort of see what the people have had to say afterwards or it's because it's not really how I buy games and it doesn't tend to be relevant to the games that I do buy or do pick up because you know free projects on itchy or whatever or like a long-running MOBA Mm. it's it doesn't function in the same way yeah but there are some like Kelsey Moser writes amazingly about esports things like really I think uh, succinctly and um really usefully I think Mm. uh prose is really you know just easy to pass i find yeah i um uh this is a, a slightly weird example but one of the uh, this was compiled by a games journalist but it was that yuki white paper on um uh the state of esports in the uk that chris higgins worked on oh cool i thought i was like a, i read that for that research on that esports thing i was doing i thought that was like an amazingly researched like mm. it t- told me everything i needed to know about uk sports but like was well written and actually entertaining and interesting like i guess i'm not sure that counts i guess the uki is an organization but it was written by a journalist so um i think they were reviewing you know material yeah. and research and things so mm. it's not yeah it, it's just a different type of discipline but it, yeah. yeah it was like just so many layers of expertise into a thing i didn't understand that i i suddenly knew everything about after reading it mm. um so on the yeah, on the esports front that that was very good um, also she'll probably kill me but alice o'connor's writing like even though she would never consciously write a review of anything mm. because she would rather like punch her own feet off. But um, I think 
a lot of the time, especially if she's writing about small games, she makes them super accessible and tells you the thing that is really interesting or good about them. Yeah. Um, and I think there's so much value to that, that even though they're not technically classed as reviews, they manage to to perform the same function and let you know mm, yeah. why you might want to be aware of this thing, right? Hmm, that's good. I, I, um, I, on the reviews front, actually, like um, John Blythe's Alan Wake review is very good. I, um, I can, I still remember. I think the first line is like, uh, "Alan, John I suppose you better anything. come in." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I talked over that. You no, should do it fine. again. Um, I think he just says, "Alan, I suppose you better come in," and then he starts talking around the game like that. And it's um, John Blythe's obviously a very good writer, anyway. But um, yeah, that was that was a it was a quite a short review, but it's a perfect piece of writing about that game. Yeah, his um, their back column for PC Gamer has had a lot of very, very good, very like specifically useful ways of explaining. Like that's meant to be a comedy column anyway, but yeah. there are some yeah very specific ways of explaining things that I've, I've found genuinely helpful in dry, understanding why I should give a shit about something. The, um, yeah, the best um, uh, one I can think of in my era, I think we talked about before, was his Five Nights at Freddy's review, where it was actually a very good assessment of that game that just happened to be extremely funny, even though it's a joke review spread. But though hmm. that was a that was a great review anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, do you think other writers just work? I like I, I like um, Jeremy Peel's writing on PC Games. Then I think he's a very good features writer. Um, he like I like his wrote a pretty good piece about why Tyranny failed, and like um, you can really sort of uh, feel the expertise around those kind of like Infinity Engine lineage R- RPGs. So mm. he's good. How about you, Phil? Um, recently, I really liked um, Chris Scullion's Super Mario Odyssey review. Mm. Um, it's not PC related, maybe, but it was it just very um, concisely and specifically explained where the value of that game is mm. like it sort of it, it went from something I'd probably buy just because I now own a Switch and should find some games for it to something that okay no I can see why this might be an exciting thing that uh, you know I should get on board mm. and yeah it was an enjoyable game in the end as well so I um I can't remember who wrote it now, but it was for I think it was it might have been for Boing Boing or some offshoot of those. But um, someone wrote a really good piece about Outer Wilds that you might have linked me to actually. Maybe was it on Offworld? Maybe yes, that's mm. right. Yeah, mm. that was fantastic. Um, I don't remember who wrote it now though. I should find that out. Mm. Um, but it's a it's a pretty pretty high profile writer. Oh, sure, I'll, I'll find out. But yes. we should follow up on Outer Wilds. I want to know what where that game is. Yes, there's a full <laughs> version, and it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, the alpha. So yeah, mm. are those all the questions, Phil. Uh, those are all of the questions, I think. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. There's that's a bunch. all the questions we'll do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes, uh, right. but if you uh, would like to send us more questions, which we would appreciate, you can get in touch with us via our Discord channel. It's a channel, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, so if you're a member of the PC Gamer Club, you can post in there. But a lot of long-time listeners will probably be in there already, so you can just drop us a question. We'll pick that up and talk about it, like the beer question, what we talked about today. Mm. Uh, you can also tweet us questions at PC Gamer Pod. Uh, we're getting better at picking those up than ever, I would say. In that we have. Answered We've answered the three, three weeks. today. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the easiest way to send us questions, probably. And you can also uh, email us at uh, letters at pcgamer.com. Um, yes, subject line podcast. Indeed. Uh, and so the, the week after you're listening to this, there will be a new issue of the magazine out on Thursday. The something or yes, other. Yes, the sixteenth. Mm, sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, sixteenth. Phil, can you talk about what's on the cover of that? Or it uh, is Far Cry Five. Yes, that video game. 
That's cool. uh, that we got Andy to play and also talk to cult experts about. Yes, and there are <laughs> other fun things inside, right? Yes. Like um, John uh, Strike's Commander yeah, Conquer uh, John Strike did a very good reinstall of Tiberian Sun. Um, that was very good. A good read. Um, Untitled right. Goose Game. Yes, uh, we saw <laughs> that Untitled Goose Game that everyone went on about on Twitter, and then I made it a cover line because I thought it was funny. And It is funny. It was a hard deadline. <laughs> um, we've got Robert Zack has talked to uh, Amplitude Studios about the Endless series and sort of about how that game has been, or that series has been so good at kind of breaking for X conventions, um, and just talking to the team about them and like the design innovations is a wanky way of putting that, but it's what I went for just now. The, there's also the other the other shoe of the the football pairing of this year, is yes, there not? There's the, uh, the FIFA review boot. after last issue's <laughs> Pez review. They should have called it the um, unstudied boots. That would have been. So we said unstudied boots. Other boot. studied, studied boot. Yes. Because of yeah, football. That sounds like a, like a, a bestseller sort of four hundred page paperback. You see an advert for oh, a train station, yes. <laughs> Reading train station, and it's just like a single shoe on a yellow background. Um, so yes, uh, those are all the things. There's some other stuff in there too, but we've got a website as well, pcgamer.com. There's some stuff on there. You can uh, yes, um, those are all our things. I guess we'll be back next week. If you want to subscribe on iTunes, that'd be cool. Cool. Mm. And if you want to leave us a review, that would also be appreciated. Mm-hmm. We will see you in seven days, possibly. Bye mm. bye. <laughs>